Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal, and you're listening to the latest installment of my podcast, the Talking Grammar Podcast. This will be episode five, and today I had a conversation with Lobo Men's Basketball Associate Head Coach Chris Harriman. Harry's a, an interesting guy. He's he's obviously the one holdover from the Craig Neal era. Craig uh, thought enough of him to hire him as his associate head coach two years couple years ago this is his third year now and he's the holdover that Paul Weir now has on his staff and he's got an interesting background in coaching he's obviously he's from Australia played some small uh, low-level college basketball and, and got into coaching it's what he wanted to do and had a crash course uh, what he called a PhD in basketball working for four years with Rick Majerus and he it's, it's interesting to hear him describe his his Rick Majerus experience as uh, something that gave him uh, pains in his stomach every day when he drove to work, and yet something he would never trade for anything. He speaks so highly of his time with Rick Majerus and the experience he had, and uh, still thinks of him every day. And uh, we have a good conversation today that touches on his relationship with Rick Majerus and what he learned. Also, we talk about what's going on with Lobo Basketball, a team that right now, is, as I interviewed him on Friday, uh, February 16th, the, the Lobos have their last buy slot in the uh, in the Mountain West schedule. They don't play on Saturday when the other 10 teams in the league play. And there's some jockeying for position right now. Right now, I think it's clear that it looks like Nevada and, and Boise are going to be 1-2. But spots 3, 4, and 5 all get a buy in the Mountain West tournament too. And there's six teams fighting for those three spots. Six teams that are within two games of one another, including the Lobos. So... The last couple weeks, uh, the home stretch is going to be interesting, and and there's a lot of optimism around Lobo basketball. They are a team that is still sub 500. They are not. They do not have a winning record overall this season. They are eight and six in Mountain West play, and and yet they're like I said, there is a lot of optimism with the way things are going right now. And I talked to Chris a little bit about that, and I also talked to him about his son Avery, who. Since the age of two, uh, he had uh, a really rare form of cancer that obviously uh, still affects him to this day and and it's the perspective it gives harry and the perspective stuff like that should give sports fans and people in the sports arena um really kind of it's hard to listen to sometimes because what this kid went through and is still going through is something that nobody should have to go through at any age and yet the perspective it gives um, all of us when I ask questions like, how hard was it to go through the last couple of years of Lobo basketball? And, and Harry's a guy that has a perspective that is, is unique because what he went through with Lobo basketball the last two years pales in comparison to anything he, or his, he and his family have gone through with his son and, and what his son still fights through every day. So really good uh, conversation with Chris Harriman, Lobo basketball associate head coach. And here you go. Here's episode five of the Talking Grammar podcast, a conversation with Chris Harriman. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing very well, Jeff. Um, Even better, I get a chance to talk to you. I know. It's a good day when you get to talk with, uh, <laughs> with the local reporter, isn't it? Um, this is uh, obviously something I'm trying out new this year, the, the podcasting. So um, bear with me. As you can see, I got this real high tech setup. Yeah, going you look here. really organized. I know, right? I got a little <laughs> notepad with notes and everything here. Very impressed. Um, I, so I haven't. Obviously, we talk a lot at practices in short spurts and stuff like that. But I, I haven't had a really good long talk with you um, in a while, and, and I wanted to catch up with you. First of all, I wanted to talk about just you know this season and 
kind of what you've learned this season that maybe you didn't know about yourself and maybe how it how it compares to your first two seasons here and you know don't need to get into the weeds about the first two seasons or anything like that but obviously you've had a pretty unique experience in a three-year span here at, at the University of New Mexico I think that's probably safe to say um how's this season going and and how have you kind of built on the past two seasons to to coach this year that's a terrific question. Uh, you know, when I came here from the University of Nebraska, I don't think I ever would have anticipated experiencing what I have over the past uh, two and a half years, I guess you could say. Um, going through a coaching change, um, going through all the different things that have occurred here. Uh, in, in some respects, I guess you could say it's been difficult. In others, it's been terrific for me because it's been a great learning experience. Um, working for, for, for Paul has been... Um, great. I've really, really loved it. it, it he brings a positive uh, mentality to work every day. He's obviously a grinder. Uh, we share a lot of similar traits in terms of both being guys not from the States, um, both being guys that never really had great careers or, or, or grew up in any sort of coaching tree. So I have a great appreciation for the way he goes about the things he does. And, um, and I think we're aligned in a lot of ways. Uh, and anytime you're aligned with somebody you work with, I think that's an opportunity not only for growth, uh, but it, it also makes it an enjoyable experience. Um, for me personally, you know, I've worked for a lot of different guys. You know, you go back to, to, to Tim Miles, obviously working for, for Coach Majerus, um, arguably one of the best coaches ever in yeah. college basketball. So I've experienced a lot of things. I'd like to think I'm somewhat of a of a veteran uh, going in, going through this. So for me, it, it, it's been uh, a great experience. Uh, it's been a learning experience. Even just going down to the new system, the way we play this year with Paul, um, I'd never worked for a guy that pressed. Right. I'd never worked for a guy that played offensively the way he does. Um, so and, and he he hasn't done a whole lot of this um, for a long time either. It's kind of you guys are learning together. Yeah, it, it really is. And we sat down um, after I was officially hired. We sat down and obviously had meetings with outside people. Um, so we've kind of learned a lot of the stuff together. And, and going through that and learning some of those things, to me, I think it, it just makes you better. It makes you better because you're evolving. I never wanted to work for somebody for 15 years. I never wanted to work for the same guy, the same system, the same thing. Um, not that anybody's not great. I mean, obviously, if you have that type of opportunity and you're in a good system, what have you, I understand that. But for me, I wanted to evolve and get better. Yeah. And I feel like I've done that with Paul. Um, really enjoyed it, and, and, and it's obviously been a... Um, a great experience to this point. You uh, you mentioned Majerus. I actually have on my notepad here. I wanted to talk later um, about Majerus, but I'll, let's get it out of the way now. Lobo fans are, he's one of the guys that would come in that they would love. Some would love to hate. Some would just love. Yeah. Um, I think anybody who got to know him would probably just love him. Um, he's, a, he's a unique guy, and, and you're talking about how you, you didn't want to coach with, you know, one person for, for too long ever because you want to have you know a variety of, of dishes to choose from I guess sure. and, and learn from and um, Majerus is a guy though what did you learn from him we'll start with the basketball side of things okay. and then you know I'll ask for one story I, I think you've told me in the past but a story Majerus told you maybe about the pit and, and Albuquerque but let's start with the basketball if, if you kind of had to dumb it down and, and oversimplify like one lesson basketball wise you learned from your time with Rick Majerus what would that what was that you know Jeff when I when I went to work for him um, I knew it was going to be the hardest thing I would ever do in my life um, he, he's the most he was the most demanding human being you could ever be around um, his attention to detail and every facet the way that he did things 
um, his work ethic, his network, his base of people. Uh, I knew it was going to be extremely difficult, but I had no idea what I was really, truly walking yeah. into. I, I equated it almost to like doing your basketball PhD. You know, for a lot of those people that have went and got a law degree or whatever it may be, um, I, you know, I knew from speaking with previous people that have worked for him that three to four years you would learn. And, and I thought I knew a lot about basketball, but when I walked in and started work for him, I realized I knew nothing. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and those four years, he's the best thing professionally that ever happened to me. Um, I miss him every day. I, there's not a day that doesn't go by. I don't think about him. I have notes on him. I pull out articles. I pull out. I have every single practice plan. I have every practice. I have every single thing that I did just because I knew I'd always look at those things. But the biggest thing I learned from him, um, I would have to say that he had no slippage. There was never any slippage in practice. Everybody knew their roles. Everybody knew what was their expectations were. And he held you to a level of accountability unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. When it came to scouts, um, the attention to detail and, and, and how he went about things, um, he's a genius. He I mean, was an he, absolute he call genius. You, he, you'd, you'd be called out oh, if you gosh. messed up, right? Yeah, no, Some you colorful would language, yeah, yeah. I he, 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 had, um, he had an office that was whiteboards from the floor to the ceiling. There was no... He used to call it... He, he didn't have an I love me office. There, you know, you're talking about a guy that coached Dream Team 2. You know, was part of it and, and, and had all these, I mean, all the championships he won, everything he'd done, everything he'd be involved in. He could have had the greatest office you've ever seen yeah, in your life. Pictures and Pictures and, and memorabilia. And his house in Milwaukee had the most unbelievable basement of stuff you've ever seen. But And he probably didn't even do he it. He didn't even hang it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? He didn't even hang it up. But So you would go into the office and it was just a conference table just like this, a TV, some couches, but everything else was whiteboards. And he wanted to have every single action of every single thing a team did. And he would want to know well, how many times they run it to the right, how many times they run it to the left. When they run it to the left, how many times they score. Yeah. When they score, how do they score? And he would keep asking you these questions until you got to a point where he would get you. And, it, you know, it was just, it was unbelievable. It was, it, it really taught me how to, how, to, um, how to be part of this business, how to be professional, how to go about it from recruiting to scouting to practice to individual workouts. Uh, it was mind blowing. It really was. Was there a level of almost like drill sergeantness where he would he was so demanding that he was almost trying to see who might break and who might not be able to handle? Oh, no question. He tried to break you immediately. Yeah, yeah he he tried to break you. We I'll never forget doing a home visit with him um, in Perth, Australia, and, and we had the, the 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 best home visit. The kid was the best player in Australia that, in that class. We went and did a home visit, and we left there. We went back to the hotel, and then we we're going to go to dinner. And he says to me afterwards, well, obviously you've emailed every, everybody that we just left, right? And I was like, Coach, I just went upstairs and got changed. He's like, you know, that's why I probably should never hired you. You know what I mean? And, and, and he would hold you to these standards where now it makes me think about every single thing that he, he had me do. Uh, and I think it prepared me. When you met with him, you had to have your recruiting calendar, your schedule, you know, your recruit schedule. You had to have every single thing. And he would just ask you these questions and uh, I used to get stomach pains driving to the office just because yeah. you didn't know what you were going to encounter that day. Um, but again, it helped me prepare. Uh, I'm very thankful for that well, opportunity. And yet it was a pleasant experience. I mean, you, you, you talk about it so fondly, but you're talking about stomach pains going to work. Oh, uh, it, 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 it's pleasant now. There, was, pleasant times, now. there was times during that it was, it was unbelievably demanding. And the hours, I mean, obviously he was a single guy, lived in a hotel. Uh, lived in a, the Chase Park Plaza, which was the most amazing hotel. Yeah. Had two movie theaters, steakhouse restaurants. 
you know, but he would call you at 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, and he would, he would want film broken down and sent to his hotel. So he'd be driving to his hotel at 1 in the morning. Then you would pick him up at 6.30 in the morning and take him swimming. And he would swim laps, and you would walk next to him as he's swimming laps, and he would stop, and he would tell you something. You'd write things down on a notepad. Like it, I can't even express to you how demanding it was, but um, it may be better, you yeah. know, and, and it really taught me. To, I, I realized... I would either want to be part of this profession or I would walk away from that profession. And, and um, He gave you every reason to walk away. He gave me every single reason every day to walk away. And he challenged and he didn't me. didn't learn. Yeah, it, it was, you know, we had a, we had a, I was just telling uh, David Kiel, we had a great staff. Alex Jensen was on that staff. He's now the top assistant at Utah Jazz. Porter Moser was the associate head coach. He's now the head coach at Loyola Chicago. They're about to win the Missouri Valley this year. So I was around a great staff with great people, and, and um, we won a lot of games. And uh, my last two years, I won 28 games each year, and it was, uh, it was a great experience. It really was. All right, so what does a uh, Lobo fan need to hear about Rick Majerus' thoughts of the pit and coming to Albuquerque? Uh, we came here and we played New Year's Eve, as you and I have talked about before, and, and we lost in overtime to one of the, the terrific Lobo teams here. And I still remember, it was my scout. We had oh. dinner the night before, yeah. Coach Majerus and I, and we went to El Pinto. Okay. And um, and I had no idea about the pit. Yeah. I, I mean, coming from Australia, I just wasn't versed in, in those type things. And he talked about it a little bit, but not a whole lot. We lose the game the next day, and then he and I have dinner with the staff the, the, the following night. And I said to Coach, Coach, I, I, I can't even believe what we just experienced. Like, oh, my God, you know, you were in this league, like – you know, what an amazing, I mean, obviously, I still remember Alford coming down in the red jacket. Yeah. I had no I had no idea the significance of those things. So, yeah, it was a red jacket? It was, it was a red, cherry blazer game. It was a cherry blazer game. Right. I think we, I, I believe we had had, we were either undefeated or had one loss, yeah. and they were the same thing. You would probably know better than me, but it was a hell of a game. We lose an OT, uh, a defensive war, and um, we, we went to El Pinto again the next night, and I remember sitting there with him, and just, he told me, son, if you ever have a chance, come work here. You run here yeah. because this is one of the greatest jobs with the greatest fan bases, and you can always be successful. So I never forgot that. Um, and and uh, when, it, when an opportunity came to work here, uh, that was the first thing I thought of. It was Rick. It was Rick. It was Rick. Yeah, it was Rick. I, I guess I say Rick. I mean, what, what do you think of him as? Do you? No, I, was, I would never call him Rick. I would be scared <laughs> to death. Even with him passing away, he was always coach. Okay. You know what I mean? It was always that sign of respect. I, to this day, I've, I've gone and spoke to clinics. I spoke at a clinic for the Missouri Basketball Coaches Association um, a couple of months back. Yeah. And, um, and all I, they asked me to speak on Coach Majerus. So I spoke for two hours. There was 1,500 high school coaches, and all they wanted to know was about Rick Majerus. Yeah. So it's amazing everywhere I go. Um, that people just want to ask those questions. And obviously, he was a larger-than-life character. Yeah. He had a lot of success. He was, you know, I, I, meetings with Bob Knight, Doc Rivers, lunches with Bob Costas, you know, meetings with, you know, the presidents. I mean, the things that I experienced over those course of years, uh, him showing up with Don Nelson, you yeah. know, that those things was, was, was the greatest four years of my life. So that is at least a part of why you ended up here. Um, the, the last couple of years, obviously, for various reasons, haven't exactly been what the pit was. Um, but but still, there are moments, even even on down games, where where the pit comes alive. And I think this year, San Diego State game was when it really started to look like it was it was coming back. I think um, it's not the fifteen thousand; it's it's about the eleven to twelve thousand range. Right. But the pit's starting to maybe come back to what he was telling you about and what you experienced. Any regrets or any 
um, in the three years you've been here now, um, any kind of thoughts of, well, it wasn't exactly what he, he told me it was going to be. Um, any, any second thoughts? I, I don't that? live that way. You yeah. know, I, I, I've, I've never lived that way, Jeff. I've, I've, as I'm sure you have, as, as many people, you know, you make mistakes, you make bad decisions. Um, I, I, I don't look back. I yeah. think that's, that's a, for me personally, I, I don't try to do that. Um, you know, there's always things. I work for a great guy. Tim Miles was an, was an incredible human being. Um, maybe the nicest person I've ever been around. Um, maybe in terms of life balance, he really got it. He understood it. We made the NCAA tournament. We had a lot of success. Um, one of the reasons in moving to New Mexico was obviously being an international guy, being from Australia, um, having the ability to be on the West Coast, yeah. recruit closer there. I was told by a lot of different, whether it be search firms or agents or what have you, um, that geographically it made a lot of sense for me in my future. Um, so it was something that I really looked at and, and thought it was the right move at the time, uh, whether it was or wasn't, is really irrelevant to me. You know, in, in moving forward, I just have to look at um, trying to make the best decision. And, and um, there's been a lot of good things out here. It's been really, really hard, you know. I imagine. I mean, it's been a unique time. Everybody knows it. Um, do you get the sense that this year's team, and let's be, let's be real about this year's team, it is still a team that's under 500. It right. is a team that had the start it had. But do you get the sense um, that it's sort that this is the trajectory is upward with this? With there's no question. That, I would ne- there's no question. I, I, I 100% feel that way. Um, it's definitely moving upwards. I think there's a lot of purpose to this program right now. I think uh, Paul has a vision. I think he has um, everything laid out in terms of how he wants to do it. You know, it's crazy. I see a lot of similarities between him and a guy like Tim Miles. Um, in terms of, I think they're very analytical guys. I think they see things a little bit differently. Um, they obviously have a way they like to do things, and, and I appreciate that. But I, there's no question there's a lot of purpose in how we're doing things. I think recruiting's definitely going really well. Like you said, I, I, you can start to see the people coming back. Um, there's a lot of things that are definitely uh, positive about this program right now, which I you know, thoroughly enjoy. Uh, one of the guys on this team, um, because of the Australian connection, it's natural um, that you you were the guy recruiting McQuatch Mawatch. Am, am I saying Mawatch right? Malawatch. Malawatch. McQuatch, um, is that correct? Yes, okay. yes. Um, recruiting him, uh, for those that don't know the story, how did he come on your radar and and uh, how did the recruitment go for him? You know, he was a guy that um, I'd known about. His, um, his coach, who ended up being his guardian father, um, was a guy that I played for ever since I was 12, 13 years old. In all honesty, um, I thought he was probably going to end up at Virginia. I know that uh, Coach Bennett really liked him, yeah. or TCU. Those were the schools that were recruiting him heavily. Um, you know, you always recruit to your needs, and previously last year, uh, the previous coach here didn't think that we had a need for him in that position. Obviously, during the coaching change and transfers and whatever yeah. else, things opened back up. Um, so uh, Coach Weir was definitely encouraging of getting out there and seeing him. Um, thankfully for us, he had gone through some academic struggles. Some teams had fallen off here and there, and then we got involved and pursued it as hard as we could. Still thought it was a, it was an upward battle with with the likes of Virginia, obviously, yeah. and TCU. But um, I think he saw that this was a great fit for him, and um, I'm just so proud of the kid. He's done such a good job since getting in here. He's really playing well, and and uh, he's obviously a great fit to the system um, here. And, and I, I see a heck of a future in him. So he's a guy that when you recruit any player, obviously there's the relationship building. Um, you and him have, I imagine, a yeah. pretty good relationship. Yeah. Um, 
but then you envision what he might become, you right. know, what you hope he becomes at least for as a freshman, all that kind of stuff. I can't imagine you envisioned a 26-point game at Air Force from from Aquatch as a freshman. Um, maybe you thought he had the potential, but I I really can't imagine you expected a freshman doing that. No, I'd be lying to you if I said he did. Uh-huh. You know, he he reminds me a little bit. I recruited a kid from New Zealand named Ty Webster, okay. who Fran Schiller actually. Um, said something positive, but it ended up being really difficult on the kid. He said he was the number one international player for that year, which put a lot of pressure on him. Yeah. Fran and I joke about it, but he went into Nebraska and had an awful freshman year. Uh, ended up being first team all Big Ten by the time he left, but I kind of envisioned a little bit of the same with McQuatch. I knew he'd go through struggles, obviously physically, um, having a Sudanese background and, and, and moving to Australia and all the things he'd been through. You knew mentally that he had the makeup to get through it and, and work through it. But you just never know. You never know with these international kids how they're going to develop the process they're going to go through it. But just looking at his numbers the other day, I, I think he's upwards of 13 points a game in conference play, shooting 50% from three, Yeah. you know, 80-something to the line, 50, above 50 from the field. Um, you know, he, he's he's got a ways to go defensively, as I'm sure we're all aware of. But he's working at that. He's getting better. He's getting stronger. And I think he's... Um, He's making some strides. So. Well, the, the system, and I know Paul had mentioned something to Presser the other day. People were asking about, are you are you ready? It's late in the year. Are you ready to maybe just get it down, keep it down to about an eight-man rotation, even though you you guys finally have everyone back? And Paul's like, well, first of all, no, we, we press. We need right. all our guys. Right. Um, but also, if you think about it, had we not done that from the start, and this is kind of Paul's explanation, Anthony Mathis probably wasn't ready at the beginning of the year to be in an eight-man rotation. Yeah. McQuatch wasn't going to be in the eight-man rotation. A guy like Vlad, who's still coming around, obviously, um, wouldn't have been early. Those are guys, I mean, McQuatch and Anthony especially, they're not doing what they're doing right now had you guys not been doing this from no the start. No question. Absolutely right. And, and one of the things I give you know Paul a lot of credit for was, was willing to go through some of those growing pains. And, and sticking with it. And sticking with it. And that's not easy to do. I've been around a lot of coaches that aren't willing to do that. And it's one thing to say you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And even if you're losing games, um, you know, I think you have to have certain standards and you have to be willing to not compromise that um, regardless of what goes on during the course of it. And, and those two guys specifically have benefited greatly through this year. And I think when you add those guys along with recruits and you start moving forward, some of the programs I've been fortunate to be part of, that's how your programs get better yeah. is is letting guys like that develop and go through growing pains. And I think, you know, a lot of that credit goes to Paul for sure. For, for I guess, sticking through it and, and just sticking to his guns. But he was taking heat. Um, you guys all were taking some heat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tennessee Tech. Yeah, yeah, no but, question. Yeah. Um, Let's move away from basketball a little bit because there was something I wanted to talk to you about. Um, a couple of weeks ago, coaches versus cancer yeah. was the. Uh, it's when the coaches all wear the sneakers, obviously, with their suits on the on the sidelines. It's it's a nation nationwide thing, and it's to to kind of raise the awareness of of cancer and and fundraising, all that kind of stuff. It, it hits home for a lot of us. Um, a lot of different people have connections. Um, yours is as you know, hitting close to the heart as, as it possibly can. can. And uh, you were wearing the yellow shirt that day. I remember. Right. I, or I forget what game it was now. Um, but, um the T-shirt. It was, it was. Was it the CSU game? It was. Okay, yeah, Colorado right. State game. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the shirt, Avery Strong. Yes. Um, yes. Tell tell the listeners who don't already know who Avery is and and uh, a little background. Yeah, my son Avery, uh, who's now ten. Um, was diagnosed with lymphoblastic leukemia at the age of two. Um, at the time, I was actually working for Coach Majerus at St. Louis. Um, over the course of the past eight years, he's battled 
um, everything. He, he's been through two separate bone marrow transplants. Um, he's battled um, almost five years in total of chemotherapy. Um, there's no way he should be alive right now, in all honesty, um, had it not been for all the terrific doctors and nurses and, and support that he's received. So um, he's, he's, in a, he's the, the, the happiest and healthiest he's been right now in a long, long time. Hasn't had a treatment uh, in almost two years. Wow, okay. He's, um, you know, he, he's, he's been through hell and back, Jeff. He really has. And, and so it's one of the things that's near and dearest to my heart. I mean, obviously, not only pediatric cancer, which is the lowest funded of all the cancers, which makes no sense to me, yeah. um, but the bone marrow registry. And that's one thing that I've, I've grown to be very passionate about. One of the reasons why my son's alive today is because of the bone marrow registry. And basically, all it is is a cheek swab. And, and essentially what happens is, it goes into a registry and it goes into a database of people, which obviously they donate their bone marrow to help these kids live. And through all those years of going through it and seeing it, I saw so many kids pass away due to how small that registry Either was. waiting or... Yeah, waiting or, or not a match. So my son was fortunate enough to have a 10 out of 10 match. And, and a, a young gentleman... And what is needed? Uh, you scared. want above an 8, above essentially. An eight. Okay. And, and the lower it gets, even from a 10 to a 9, the less chances it's going to be successful. Yeah. And as you go through that and seeing kids, and, and, and one of the things that I noticed most was any child that comes from a biracial family or whatever else, the chances become almost zero. Mm -hmm. So I witnessed so many kids through the course of Avery's treatments and meeting people and meeting kids and going through it and seeing all these kids pass away um, that I became very passionate about it when I was at the University of Nebraska, thanks to the help of um, Sean Icos and, 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 and his wife Kristen and, and the Big Ten and ESPN Network and, and Dick Vitale and people like that um, of trying to create everything we could do to, to, to expand the registry and created Avery Strong which was somewhat of a foundation to try and help kids um, and truly passionate about it. Obviously that's something that I probably haven't done a good enough job at New Mexico with and involving the Mountain West. Obviously the Big Ten has such greater resources sure. and money and, 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 and things to help out. But, it's a TV um, league. I mean, it's it a TV that. league. Yeah. It, it is. And, and the amount of people that have reached out and what's going on, and they still do Avery Strong to this day at the University of Nebraska. Which, which is amazing when you think about what, incredible. what that is. I mean, it's you're, incredible. You're, you were not coaching at Nebraska. I'm not even there. And, and, and I've got calls from numerous people on what Tim Miles has done there, and, and, and they continue to do there on behalf of my son. just blows me away, and, and I'm just so thankful. And um, for everything they've done and continue to do for him. But, um, yeah, obviously he's, uh, he's doing really well yeah. now. Um, he's been through hell, like hell and back, and, and, and like I said, it's, it's something that you never want to go through. I wouldn't wish it on my worst nightmare. I really wouldn't. And to see what he's done and, and how strong he is and how tough he is and all these other kids that have gone through it, um, there's not enough that's done for pediatric cancer. There's not enough that's done for the bone marrow registry. And, and I need to do a better job of being more active and, and trying to get more people involved because it's something that these kids need help, Jeff. They really do, and they don't deserve to go what they're going through. And, and um, when you see it firsthand and, and, and what they go through, um, it's just not fair. What's, uh, what's, what's Avery into? Is he a superhero guy? He's a, he he's a, a big Lego he's guy. Lego. He's a, he's a okay. big Lego guy, yeah. He, right. He's uh, very, very passionate about Legos. Nice. Um, obviously, he's a big Lobo fan. He's yeah. a big Husker fan. He always yeah. will be. Um, but um, he's just, 
it's just so happy to see him be a, you know, be a regular child, go to school. You know, he'll always have the after effects of everything he's been through um, and, and, and all the things he'll continue to go through. And who knows what he'll experience later on in life because of the amount of medicines and procedures and um, chemotherapy and, and God knows what else. But um, to see him smile and see what he's going through, Jeff, it, it's amazing. And perspective comes in a lot of different ways to different people. It could be the smallest thing. It could be something as serious as, as what you're talking about right now. But that, that, you know, I ask you about the last few years and what you've gone through and stuff like that. Perspective um, can get lost when we just talk about sports a lot. And I think a lot of people here think, wow, what's what Lobo basketball has been through? It's just, you know, they, they take yeah. it to a different extreme. And uh, you'll never have to look for perspective on things. No, I have a daily perspective. And, and he, you know, he talks to me every single day, multiple times a day. And I, I, I'm, you know, not to make this about myself because it's not at all. It's, it's, it's about him. It's about a lot more people than him. But um, I, I, I'm a better person because of him. I'm a better person because of what he's been through. Um, I'm a better coach. I'm a better father. I'm hopefully a better friend. Um, but every day you see the things that you go that he goes through, what he went through. And I tell people this story all the time that, it, it, that one of the things that Avery always said all along was any time I ever said, how you doing, buddy, it was the same answer every single time. It was, I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. And, you know, we go through all these different things and we experience these losses, these whatever it is, these tough days, these whatever it is. To have somebody experience that and even to be on his deathbed and say, how you doing, buddy? He says, I'm just a little bit great. You know, who am I to, <laughs> just who am I to complain great. about having, you know, losing to <laughs> Air Force on the road or being upset about a kid that, you know, uh, missed the study hall session? I think our job as coaches is to make these men better, um, is to make them more prepared for life after basketball and also be a better person in general. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what um, we all try to do. We all try to aspire to do, but there's no question every situation is is – Forever, an everyday perspective for me. I'll uh, wrap some up. We're getting, I know you got film going here in a little bit, so I'll do some rapid fire to wrap this up. Okay. And, uh, um, let me skim through. I already went through Majerus, but uh, obviously the future. Uh, down the road, we're not talking any timeline here, but head coaching is what you want to do one day? Of course. Yeah, I've, I've been fortunate enough to interview for a couple of different head coaching jobs, um, some that um, – Probably wasn't the right time for me, and, and then some that, that I, w I ended up didn't get. But um, I want to be a head coach. You're going to no be question. more uh, Tim Miles or Rick Majerus? <laughs> Hopefully, a combination of everybody, yeah. but you got to be yourself. You, you know, gotta, that's yeah. the one thing that I've learned is you can't. I could never be Rick Majerus. I could never be Tim Miles. I could never be Paul Weir. Um, I just want to be the best version of myself, and, and hopefully that's enough. But, um, you know, down the line, I would love that opportunity if it presents itself. If not, I'll be the best assistant I can be. All right, so we just talked about all the be happy about this, understand, perspective, all that stuff. You are trying to have a positive spin on things. Can you be positive without coffee? <laughs> no. No, <laughs> so I can't. after all that, <laughs> coffee is the no, one thing. No, you know, that's part of the strain in me. I'm addicted to it. The guys make fun of me all the time. I've got my own coffee machine here in the office at home. Yeah. Um, and you got a couple shops that you're regular. Yeah, no, I'm regularly at Zendo. I'm regularly at Michael Thomas. I'm, I'm, yeah, I've got my own issues, but... Um, that's definitely one of my things that, that uh, yeah, I could never give that up. When was the last day you think that you went a, a day without coffee? Oh, Jeff, man, that's been probably since college. Really? Not yeah. even one day? Not even one day. Not All even right. a day. I, 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 um, there's a, a few pleasures in life that I like, and, and coffee is definitely one of them. All right. Uh, 
this staff is a it, it's a young um, energetic staff you guys have all played the, the coaching staff and and David too I know he's not an assistant coach but he's a director of player personnel whatever the title is right right um you guys have all played you guys all like to uh, talk a little too yeah um, we got we have we have some fun over here you know we, we've got a good group who's the best trash talker on the team Oh man, that's you know it, it's combination. I would say Mace probably talks the most. I don't know if he can back it the up best, the most. Um, but he talks. The he most. talks the most. You know, um, Jerome has a silent assassin uh, type. Uh, you know, when he says look. things and a look too. You know, he, he's cut up like a like a bodybuilder. You know what I mean? He has that 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 assassin about him. Plus, he's still in unbelievable shape and he yeah. can still play. So he can back it up. We've had some 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 wars, some two on two wars. Is he the best player on the on the coaching side? Without question. All right. Without, uh, you know, DC would probably argue that uh, he's just got a lot of miles on his body. I think whenever you play for the Italian national team, yeah. you had a hell of a career. So, as of right now, Jerome, um, you know, it'd be hard to argue in the past. I mean, DC had a hell of a career and was a great Lobo. You guys have you guys have some battles though. We have some battles. We have some two on two battles. Before we, you Mace, you Jerome yeah, you know Mace can't, he, Mace can't get out there and play a whole lot, man. He's got all, yeah, he's got all kind. Of, you, you know his issues, Jeff. Yeah. He's got all kind of issues, but. Um, we get out there and try and play every now and then, and obviously it's a busy time of the year, but we'd like to have a couple of scuffles every now and then. All right. Um, this year, the one game that maybe surprised you the most and then the one game in a positive way, I mean, if any, or, or maybe the one game you feel everything clicked the most, and then what's the one game that to this day you just want back, that one game? You I can tell back. you right now I want Boise back. Yeah. I can tell you right now that one hurts. Um, I... I, I Try not to, but I reflect on it um, way too many times. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's one of those games when you're up six with a minute and nine seconds to go with the ball. Uh, you can't lose. And, you know, I was just telling my track cleaner the other day, we probably needed four things to go wrong in order for that to happen, and all four things happened. Um, those are ones that in, in this profession you can't get over. You sit up at night, you can't. You know, you think about all the different things, and, and sometimes guys make mistakes. Sometimes you wish you could have things over with. But I, I would love to have that game back um, in terms of ones that really uh, like. I, you know, I like these ones where, like at UNLV, for example, when we just – and it doesn't even have to be wins. But at UNLV, we came together against all odds. There was every reason for this team to quit, every reason for them to roll over. But we battled, and, and I was tremendously proud of the guys that night. Even going back to other games like TCU and things like that, we, we've had our fair share of ups and downs this year. But um, those are two that come to mind. All right, and then in your office, still an Aussie flag on the wall. Always. How often do you get back, and how often do you think you? I mean, is that still a recruiting pipeline for you? I mean, you it always will be. It's yeah. how I started in this profession. It's it's something that you know Tim Miles always used to tell me. If you can hit a home run, go hit a home run. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, Coach Majerus kind of forced me to get out and recruit more in America, and I probably recruited more Americans than Australians over the past six, seven years. But I like to get it back at least multiple times a year, um, if not for my own sake, to see my family and yeah. things like that. Of but um, I think that'll be something that, for the long run, I'll always recruit through. Um, obviously, the, the, there's several. It's become a, a bit more saturated lately, but um, through my connections, it'll be something that I'll, I'll – ultimately be through always. Last one, I know there'll be a company line kind of answer here, but can you guys come together in the next month to the to the level you need to, to to truly make a run in March? I know that's the plan. Yeah. At this point right now, is it is it still doable? I think it is. I think it is, Jeff. I think that there's 
um, the roller coaster of a season has so many different ebbs and flows. And the most important thing we've talked about since day one is Vegas. Yep. Conference tournament in Vegas. And I hope this team is built for three days in Vegas. Hopefully not four. Yeah. Hopefully it's three. Um, but we're built for, for that. And I think we can be a mismatched nightmare for a lot of teams in this league. I think if we can get healthy enough, I think if we can come together, if we can just avoid that, pl- that, that, that first day and we can continue to improve, continue to get better, continue to connect as a group, I think we can be one of those teams that nobody wants to see in Vegas. And um, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say, obviously, we need to improve in a lot of different areas between now and then. Um, but, yes, that's what we need to do, and, and I see no reason, no reason why we can't. Awesome. Chris, I appreciate the time. Jeff, thanks um, for having me, man. I've, I've had you longer than I wanted to. I know you got to get back to work, but I appreciate it. Good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. All right, there you have it. My conversation with Lobo Men's Basketball Associate Head Coach Chris Harriman. Certainly appreciate Chris for giving me the time on Friday to, to have this conversation. Made him a couple minutes late for a film session, which isn't Chris's MO. So again, thank you, Chris, for indulging me in a conversation that lasted a little bit longer than anticipated. And and if you guys heard some basketball going on in the background of the interview, that was Mike Bradbury's Lobo women's basketball team practicing at the Rudy Davalos Center while uh, Chris and I were having our conversation um, back in the, uh, in the meeting room for Lobo men's basketball. Again, um, appreciate his time. Hopefully, I'll get some players lined up in the next week or so through the sports information director. Hopefully, we can arrange something where I can get some players on here for you guys. This isn't yet a regular once a week or twice a week. Hopefully, at some point, it'll be that um, type of podcast. Right now, I'm just posting them as I can. It's not part of my my regular job with the journal. It's just something I really wanted to to start doing on my own. Um Still learning the this recording equipment that I, I bought my bought myself, and still learning how to post these on the back end and uh, getting the podcast up uploaded and and uh, out to you guys as soon as I can. Uh, but it is not part of the regular clock in clock out portion of my Albuquerque Journal job as the beat writer for Lobo Basketball, covering Lobo Basketball for the Journal. And uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying them though. I will get them out as soon as I can. Got some stuff lined up. Like I said, hopefully some players, but I got some other stuff lined up that I think you'll enjoy in the next week or so. And uh, let me know what you guys think of them. Let let my if you guys enjoy them, let my bosses know what you guys think of them because, uh, like I said, this so far has been sort of on my own time type of stuff that I'm doing with the podcast and with the emptying the notebook stuff. Those aren't part of the part of the regular work schedule for me. So I'm just doing those on my own. And if you guys enjoy them, let let us uh, let us know with the journal what you think of them. And you can reach out to me at any time. Uh, abqjournal.com slash sports is where you can see the regular coverage. I can't imagine there'll be a day between now and the end of the season where there won't be some new content on Lobo Basketball the rest of the season as they hit their home stretch. And uh, I'm on social media all the time, at Jeff Grammer. That's G-E-O-F-F. G-R-A-M-M-E-R. You can reach me on email at, I'm sorry, that's G-G-R-A-M-M-E-R at abqjournal.com. And uh, let me know what you think. Let me know what you think about the podcast, about our Lobo coverage. The feedback is always welcome, and I certainly appreciate all the people that have already done so. Got quite a bit of feedback after these last couple podcasts, so hopefully this is something, you know, uh, my bosses will maybe make a, a regular part of the job. And uh, even if they don't, I, I anticipate I'll probably keep doing it on my own time as I can anyway. So appreciate the feedback. Appreciate getting you guys some of these stories on the beat I cover. 
Again, thanks for listening to the Talking Grammar Podcast. This was episode five with Chris Harriman, and episode six and seven probably will be coming out within the next week. So hope you enjoy them. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal.